presence of God. Listen, this has been an incredible week at the Gate Church. This has been an incredible, incredible week. We have had the ability through, through God's goodness and people's generosity, we've had the capacity to continue to reach people almost every single day. There's been things that's been done to reach people all over this city. We've been to hospitals. We've ministered to our healthcare workers. We've been able to minister to families that had needs, to children. I just want to say a big shout out tonight, today, to our children's department. What an incredible job Gate Kids have done. If you didn't know it, the Gate Kids service was prior to this service right here. They've done an amazing job several days a week. There's things that are being released for your children. And even uh, Crafts with Miss Lenore has been an amazing hit. I think we've got incredible feedback from it. So something every day. We realize that you're shut up in your homes and looking for things that can, can particularly minister to your children. So we're grateful for Gate Kids today and all that they're doing. I want to give a shout out to all of our outreach department. City Reach this week. Yesterday, we gave out over 350 bags of groceries to cars. When we, when we started, cars were double parked in the driveway of our church, all the way through our portico. People were here early, lined up, waiting for somebody to help them. And as our prayer teams would go to cars and pray for people, people would begin to weep and just say, thank you so much for praying for me and blessing me. We had people that came yesterday and said, I've been all over the city for the last couple of days, and every place I go, they run out of food before I get there. And we were so grateful yesterday that we were able to minister to every person that came. We had people that gave so we could give ham dinners to people for, for, for Easter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, church, for being incredibly generous. And at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow your tithe, your, your seeds this week. Thank you for continuing to be faithful and continuing to just be consistent in what we're doing. We're in this together. You know, I heard, I heard a, a man this morning on television as he said, you know, this, uh, the nation's been called to prayer. There is several prayer agencies that are calling the whole nation to prayer. Literally thousands of people are praying together at certain times every day. He said, you know, the one thing about prayer is that you don't have to have the Internet to do it. You don't have to have a cell phone. You don't have to be in the same room with somebody. But there's literally hundreds of thousands of people that from their homes are lifting up the name of Jesus every single day, believing that something powerful is happening. And I'm grateful. You know, they're talking about the curve is flattening. Well, I'm grateful that the curve is flattening. I'm grateful for the doctors, the scientists that are working. But can I tell you who I'm giving glory to? today. I thank God for their work. They're doing the best they can, and I'm grateful for the American people responding. But I want to tell you why I think that curve's flattening. I believe that curve is flattening because the people of God, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, God says, I'll hear from heaven, and I'll heal your land. I'll forgive your sin. I'll heal your land. I believe God's coming not only to heal America. I believe he's coming to show himself strong all over the world. Somebody said, well, I believe this is judgment against America. I said, well, why would God judge 150 other nations for America's sins? That's not even, that doesn't even make sense. This is something that's been a worldwide pandemic. But guess what? There are people of God all over the world. And that's why when we pray together, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth the way the waters cover the sea. I want to talk to you today about something I believe may be, may be the most powerful message I have ever shared on Easter. I don't know. Maybe you won't think so. But for me, 
It's the most powerful thing that I've ever been able to share. Maybe the most important thing I've ever shared. Because here's what I want to talk about. I'm going to talk to you out of a book in the Bible that maybe is not often referred to on Easter, but it actually talks about what happened on resurrection morning. You know, this is a week that's had great emotion. I mean, when you listen to the officials of our nation, our political leaders, our medical leaders, and they're, they, they prepared us on Monday, this may be the most difficult week that our nation has ever experienced with the numbers of deaths and people that are dying. People are in the second, third, fourth week of not being able to work, being shut up at home. Kids are not in school. Life is disrupted. And it's a week of great emotion. Disorientation is taking place everywhere. People are wondering what's going on. But you know, scripturally, biblically, historically, this week is called Passion Week because it has such swings of emotions. Last Sunday on Palm Sunday, what began with a parade? The next thing that happened is the temple began to get cleansed and everything that was religiously out of order began to be put back in order. And then Jesus comes and heals a multitude of people. The next thing you know, he's spending dinner with his friends, goes to a garden to pray, and then he's arrested. We have a sham trial. And by Friday, the one that so many people had believed, he's the hope of the world. He's hanging on a cross. The empire of Rome had crucified him. And when he got, listen, when he was crucified, people talk about, well, Peter denied him. No, 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 no. Listen to me. Everybody walked away. They all left except for a few women. And the reality is, is that when, when things like we're experiencing happen in our life, listen, listen, the virus doesn't cause you to be disoriented or dysfunctional. It reveals the things in your life that are disoriented and dysfunctional. These moments come to reveal They reveal that our foundation was built on the wrong thing. They reveal that our life was maybe hoping in the wrong things. We put our confidence and our trust in the wrong things. So our narrative today comes from the book called The Revelation. Somebody said, well, that book's about end times and monsters and helicopters and scary things and battles in the Middle East. What's that got to do with Easter? No, it's really not. Actually, it's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. It tells us in the very first verse what it's about. It says, and this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, the whole book is about him and what he did and what he is doing for you and I. Do you realize that the gospel, watch this, the gospel is not about you go do something. The gospel is you go tell something. Because you don't have to do it. You just have to tell that it was done. It's done. He's done it. So it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it was written to a man named John. John was one of the original disciples. And the Bible says that he was on an island called Patmos. Patmos is in the Mediterranean. It's one of the Greek isles. And he was banished to that island as a prisoner. It was a penal colony in John's day. And so he was, watch this, he was isolated. He was quarantined. He was put off as somebody that was being persecuted for their faith. 
He was isolated by himself. Nobody else there to talk to. But the amazing thing is the Bible declares that something happened on that island that forever changed his life and changed you and I's life. If I can get my iPad to turn, we'll, we'll get to the next page. Praise the Lord. And here, I wanted to read the scripture and make sure I read it right. Listen to me closely. The message that he got was very personal. I want you to say that with me. It was very personal. See, sometimes you can think that this message is just for the generic public, but it has nothing to really do with me. But I want you to know something today. What I'm about to preach over the next five or ten minutes is personally directed towards you. Put your name on there. Instead of saying, I, John, was on the island of Patmos, you can say, I, Tony, was quarantined in my house. I, Linda, was isolated in my home. And here's what he says in, in Revelation chapter 1. Here's the end of the story where we're going to end up. In verse number 18, here's what he said. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. I'm going to read it one more time. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. There's a couple of things there that are very funny to me. First of all, Jesus, this is Jesus talking. If you have a Bible that's got red letters, it's in the reds. Jesus is talking to John. And here's what he says, I'm he that lives and was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And then he says, amen. It's like Jesus amened himself. He couldn't get an amen from anybody else, so he amened himself. He said, amen. I am he that's alive. I'm going to be alive forevermore. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you ought to just shout amen right where you are. He is going to be alive forevermore. There's no threat that he's ever going to die again. And then he said, I have the keys of hell and death. That's the other thing that's funny to me. The devil don't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus said, I got the keys. So how many of you know he's really telling them, I got a whole lot of control over things that are going to happen in your life. There's three things I want you to remember today because here's what I'm talking about. John looked like his entire life was in shambles. Far as he knew, his life was over, finished, ruined. I want to talk to you today. What happens when the ruins start to live again? Can ruins really live again? See, Friday, it looked like the hope of the world was ruined. Saturday, it sat in silence. But don't you ever believe that just because you can't see him working, that that means he's not working. Because he was actually busy on Saturday. We just don't know all the things that were going on other than we do know that he who ascended also descended and he led captivity captive. That means that while you think he's not working on your behalf, he could be somewhere in the silent, invisible parts of your life already working out the things that are going to be your major obstacles. And then on Sunday, he shows up alive forevermore. Here's three things I want you to know. If your ruins are going to live again, here's the first thing I want you to know. Your life is never so ruined. 
You're never so ruined that his love won't seek for you and find you. You're never so ruined that his love won't seek for you and find you. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to sing a song that says his love is reckless. It's almost like it, it'll climb a mountain. It'll run through a wall. It'll do whatever it has to in order to get to you right where you are. Here's what I want you to know. You may be isolated. You may be desperate. You may be disillusioned. You could be disoriented. You may feel like you've been betrayed, abandoned, forgotten. But no matter how ruined your life may be, Jesus said, my love is going to keep reaching for you. Here's how he said it to John that day. He said to John in verse number 10, John said, I was in the Spirit. Watch these terms. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day when all this personal message came to me. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. When, when we read that, we think about, well, Sunday's the Lord's Day. But may I suggest to you that really every day is the Lord's Day. We don't know that he was in church on Sunday. That's not what he's saying. He just said, I was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord. Now, it could have been that he, he had gotten to the point that he thought, this is the end of the world. All the persecution against Christians, maybe this is the, maybe all the planets are aligning. Maybe all the signs we've been told about. Maybe, maybe the coming of the Lord's here. Maybe that's what he meant by the day of the Lord. There are people that are watching me right now. When you got news about a virus called COVID-19, you thought, that means this is the end of the world. Jesus is coming. Only to find out you were in your house again next week. So maybe John wasn't really talking about this is the end of the world. Because see, in the Bible, the Bible refers to the day of the Lord as a day when Jesus steps into the affairs of your life in order to change things. It's the visitation of God that comes to change things. So here's what John, I believe, was really saying. I don't really believe he's saying it was just on Sunday or that it was at the end of time. I believe John was saying this. I found myself in a spiritual environment, and Jesus showed up and said to me, John, it doesn't matter how bad things look to you. I have the ability to rearrange the affairs of your life, and I, because of my love, am going to take what was meant for evil and turn it into something good. You feel like you've been abandoned, but I'm about to give you a revelation of who I really am. I'm talking to somebody right now. Listen, right where you are, I'm talking to you. You feel like you have been so ruined in your life that nothing can happen, but I'm, I'm telling you, you, you may not even be in a church. Some of you hadn't been in a church in years. You say, well, how can I ever get my ruined life to come back to, my ruins to come back to life? I'll tell you how. Jesus shows up on the day of the Lord. And when he walks into the affairs of your life, he gives you a reason to know that he can change every situation of your life. I believe ruins are about to live again. Huh? I believe his reckless love is about to come running over people today. Second thing I want you to know is this. He's coming to change things. Somebody just needs to declare that. Second thing I want you to know is this. Your life story. This is what he told John. When he showed up personally to John, here's what he told him. He said, your life story cannot be written until I, Jesus, have had the last word. You may have closed a chapter in your life with that last divorce, but you didn't end the book. 
You may have closed the chapter when you ended that business, but you didn't end the story. Here's what, here's what he said to John. I am Alpha and I am Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the ending. In other words, watch this. Listen to me. Listen to me closely. He said, I began your life and I'm going to bring your life to a conclusion. I'm the one that was the creator and I'm the consummator of everything in your life. And watch this. Watch this. He's not only the beginning and the end. He said, I'm going to be the redeemer of everything in between. Everything in the middle I'm going to redeem. Because I have the ability. Your history is not going to be written. Your story will not be written until I, Jesus, have the last word. There may be people that have told you that you're a failure. There may be people told you you're never going to make it. There may be people that have told you, you know what, you're going to be an addict all the days of your life. You can never be free from alcohol. You'll never be free from a porno addiction. You're never going to be free from a drug addiction. I'm here to tell you, let every man be a lie and let God be true. He said, I'm the one that started and I'm going to finish and I'm going to redeem everything in the I wish somebody would shout amen. Somebody right there, you ought to just type amen. That's going to happen in my life. I'm not going to end my life in disappointment. I'm not going to end my life in frustration or disorientation. He's going to redeem my history. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I have two people that today just going to take a minute and share their story with you. There are people that, listen, these are not actors. They weren't paid to do this. These are people that are part of the Gate Church family where Jesus stepped into their life and began to change their story. Watch closely as Randall and Chanel share their story. So Chanel, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your life was like before Christ? When I was 16, I met um, a guy, got involved, um, was involved in gang activity, a lot of drugs. I was in that relationship for 23 years. Uh, we were married for a good majority of that time. But um, during that time, saw just so many things that um, you really shouldn't experience in a lifetime. Well, a couple years ago, my sister passed away from cancer. Three years after that time frame, my aunt passed away from cancer, and my other sister, she actually does federal time right now. Um, and so I had gotten to a place where I was, you know, just uh, doing drugs and, and, and drinking and but I was an entrepreneur, so it was the balance between being trying to be successful and trying to keep this business afloat with a combination of doing all of the things that were trying to keep me filled. During that time frame, our business continued to literally crash. So going through that time frame, it got me to a deep, dark place. At the end of that, right before you found Christ, the relationship, it broke down? or. I had tried, you know, reconciliation, um, trying to, you know, just seek different counseling, different, you know, giving it a second chance. And so I was at my wit's end and I was like, okay, I've done everything in my power that I know to do. And, you know, I just started coming to church and starting um, to attend on Sundays. And um, during that time, that's when, you know, everything started to change and I started seeing like some breakthrough. Actually, one day uh, we had attended church on Easter Sunday and Bishop was preaching a message called Change Your Story. And it was talking about cycles and continuing to repeat cycles and you know your life not changing and really uh, the difference of surrendering 
and accepting Christ um, was the big difference. And I never had made that heart change to fully accept God into my life and Christ into my life. And so that day during that service, the Holy Spirit just met me. And um, from that day, like my life has forever been changed. So then you find Christ, you, you come to the gate church, and, and I know he's done a tremendous work in your life. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the beginning stages of that? And, what, what got you moving in him? Um, well, I, I went through a program here uh, that they do here at the gate. And in that time frame, what I ended up was I ended up feeling and understanding and growing in the presence of God. I started to feel things and understand things in a different way. I started to get a fullness and a relationship with God that I had never felt prior. What is life like now in this season? What is this chapter like? I started attending college at the Gate Church through Kingsgate. Now um, I have an amazing job. Um, I'm a house mom for two young uh, college students that, um, you know, to be in this season and to be mentoring and doing life with them is just amazing. As he continues to push me forward, he started to change my financial circumstances, my situations. He even brought me my wife. Um, which is just completely a blessing. Uh, she's literally what I pray for. I, I cannot say anything else more extensive, but I know God is in the center of it. And I want to continue to keep him in the center of it because without him, I would have nothing. I would be nothing. I would literally be dust. But now I realize where that honor, that glory, and that grace, and that mercy comes from. I can't wait to see so many people just know that, um, you know, maybe have a few similar situations in my story or said, you know, I've been through that or I've gone through that or I'm in that right now to, you know, make that decision to say, you know, I've done everything. Let me now try to do it God's way. Your name may not be Randall and it may not be Chanel, but that may be a part of your story. And you know what? There may be people watching me today. At some point in time in your life, you said, well, I've, I've prayed a prayer, but I don't feel my, like my life is going anywhere. See, the truth of the matter is, is that John had been a disciple, but he felt like he was abandoned on an island. So the first thing God had to come back and tell him was, my love is coming after you, John. I'm coming after you right where you are. Listen to me closely. The Holy Spirit will convict you so he can change you. But he'll never accuse you so he can shame you. I'm going to say that one more time. The Holy Spirit will convict you. He'll make you aware of the fact something's not right. He'll convict you so he can change you. But he'll never accuse you in order to shame you. God's not trying to shame you today. It doesn't matter where you missed it. He's not trying to shame you. So he said, John, my love's coming after you. Second of all, I'm going to write your story. I'm going to write it in red. <laughs> I'm going to write it in the power of the blood. I'm going to write it through my redemptive purpose. Here's the last thing I want you to know. He looked at John and said, John, no matter what you're feeling, no matter how much you feel ruined, I got you. I got you. When all seems lost, I got you. You say, where's that at in there, Bishop? When John turned to see Jesus, 
he heard that voice behind him. You, you want to know why sometimes he whispers? He whispers because he's so close. You wished he would shout sometimes, but he's close enough to you. All he has to do is whisper. But John said, I turned and saw this this risen Christ behind me and his hair was white like wool and his eyes were a flame of fire and out of his mouth went a two-edged sword and when he spoke it sounded like the rushing of many waters and he said here is what he said to me he said I saw him standing there and he had in his right hand right hand that's key right hand right hand is the arm of authority the the seal of authority he said in my right hand he had seven stars stars He was holding seven stars in his right hand. Stars became the representation of seven churches that he began to talk to. But literally, those stars were the radiating light in the midst of a dark world because the church, believers, were meant to be the light of the world. And he said, John, I'm holding these stars in my hand of authority. And the church, watch this, church is not made up of organizational structure. Church is not made up of buildings. Church is made up of people. So literally he was saying to John, John, I got all of those who believe. I got them in my right hand. I'm holding them in my hand. I got you. You said, but I've fallen down and I can't get up. Jesus said, don't worry about it. I got you. And when John became aware of his power and the life of the resurrected Christ, the Bible says in his humility, his intimidation, he felt like a dead man. And Jesus walked to him. The resurrected Christ walked to him. And with that same, it's very important, the particular language, and with that same right hand, he picked John up. That's how personal he is today. He's not just picking Billy Graham up or some famous preacher up. He's actually walking in your house today and picking you up. You say, but nobody knows me. Oh, yeah, he does. He actually knows where you are. And he picked John up and he said to him, I am he who lives. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And John, you need to understand something. I have the keys of hell and death. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The one great thing about Easter that I want you to know is this. This is so important. Easter is not the end of the week. You say, man, I had a week that's gone like this. I'm I'm glad we can at least end it on a positive note on Easter. Now I'll start over again on Monday and I'll do this the rest of the next week. No, no, no. No, no, no. Last Sunday, at Palm Sunday, began a Passion Week. And the Passion Week ends Saturday in silence death disorientation hopelessness it all looks ruined but John writes in his gospel this same guy writes in his gospel in John chapter 20 verse number 1 he said and on the first day of the week the ladies came to the tomb and found it was empty. You want to know why? Because you've lived through a life. You've maybe lived through a week. You may have lived through a month. You may have lived through 10 years. You may have lived through a decade or two decades. 
of feeling like life was like this. Jesus didn't raise from, rise from the dead so that you could go back into up and down emotional living. He said, I want you to know something. Easter is not the end of the week. Easter is the first day of a brand new week in your life where stability and consistency and the ability to face storms is entering into your world. The risen Christ is going to give you the ability to live your life off of an emotional roller train, roller, roller coaster into a place of constantly abiding in his love. I'm getting ready to finish. Listen. So I want to ask you a question today. Who do you trust your ruins to? I've traveled all over the world. I've been in, I've been in every kind of ruin you can think of. I've been in biblical ruins. I've been in cities that, that you visit ruins. I've been to places that that, that Pompeii, I've been there when the, when the volcano erupted and people are frozen in place. Been there for a thousand, two thousand, three thousand years. See, there are people today, there's a storm that erupted in your life and you're frozen in that, you're time frozen in that tragedy. And it's like a place in your life you visit. Your dreams are ruined. You look back and say, my life is nothing but a pile of ruins. So I want to ask you today, who are you going to trust your ruins to? I'm going to trust mine to he who was dead but is now alive again and he's alive forevermore maybe your marriage is ruined maybe your future is ruined you feel maybe you feel like you're maybe you're a college student you feel like this last semester you didn't do very well and all of my hopes for the future are ruined maybe you feel like you're part of a TV show called The Walking Dead Here's what I want you to know right now. I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. We're going to sing this song, and then I'm going to pray a prayer with you. And when I do, I want to send you a book. I'm going to tell you how to get this. Don't leave, because I want to tell you how to get this and how you can begin. I want everybody that's a believer right now, would you be praying with me? Because there are loads of people that are watching that are not. I want Christ to come and lift you out of your ruins. The Bible tells a story in Luke 15 of a son who ruined his life. He was in a pig pen, and he just decided, you know what? He didn't, he didn't go back to church and get a suit and put on a tie and make himself religious. He just said, I'm going to go back to daddy's house. I'm going to return to the father. And the Bible says while he was a great ways off, the father saw him and ran towards him. That's what's going to happen today for you. Come on. As they begin to sing, would you just lift your voice? Let's just declare the love of God's coming after you right where you are. Don't. 
There's no way out. I'm ruined. I'm believing today those lies will be torn down. His love keeps reaching for you. If you're listening to me right now and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Be my Lord and be my I Savior. receive your love. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. Right now. Right now. In your name I pray. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm getting ready to speak a blessing over you. But I want you to go online right now. If you just prayed that prayer, maybe you've not known the Lord before. Maybe you've been a long way away from him. I want to send this to you in the mail. I'll get it to you in the mail tomorrow. It's called Fresh Start. How do I have a fresh start? If you'll go to thegatechurch.tv forward slash fresh start, or if you'll text the word Easter to the number that's on your screen, I can get the information we need to get you a fresh start. What does it mean to start over? Do you realize God doesn't want to just give you turn over a new leaf? He wants to give you a new beginning. That's why it's called born again. I want to make sure that I get this in your hands. For all of you that are part of our gay church family, I want to ask you to do something. There's nothing that was of any greater worth than the life of Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What an incredible generous giving God we serve I'm going to ask you today I can't buy my salvation you can't buy yours my giving today doesn't earn me greater places with Christ but my giving is a reflection that his nature is now part of my nature while the world is trying to hoard up save up buckle down hatches down keep everything you got in the kingdom God's saying the generous soul will flourish. So I'm just asking you today, would you, would you be generous today? Would you honor God today with your tithe? But really with maybe your over and above giving that can help us continue to reach people all week long? It's because last week people, people just caught a burden to say, I want to help in the city. I want to touch people's lives. People wrote checks over and above their regular giving and said, I want my church to keep reaching to people in this city. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being consistent. If you don't have our church app, would you go to the app store and get the Gate Church app? I can send messages on it. If you don't get messages from me on a regular basis, e-blasts, or if you don't get text messages from me, if you'll go on the on chat line you're on and say, I want to receive them, they'll tell you exactly how to do that because I want to stay in touch with you. I trust you have the greatest Easter you've ever had. May you not just have a good day. May you live life until it overflows with abundance. May the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he shine his grace and favor. May you experience his goodness all this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Happy Easter from Kathy and I.